0: Today, we once again bask in the golden light of mustachioed greatness. Not all mustachioed actors find their way into the game the same way. Some train to be actors for years and years as their hopes and dreams are funded by their parents so they can succeed. It's pathetic. And others just simply walk on a movie set in their 30s and look so legitimately tough and badass because they legit have gone through some actual struggle that a director just tells you to be in the damn background so the pansy extras he has doesn't look like total frauds. Well that describes our mustachioed honoree, his name is Danny Trejo. Growing up in LA's Echo Park back in the 50's Trejo has lived the lives of 50 men. He's the uncle you wish you had, hell he's the backup you wish you had, you'd still have him as backup if you were in a tough situation. I can actually give y'all a first person impression of this legendary mustachioed legend. That's right I said legendary mustachioed legend, deal with it. I met Danny Trejo in Austin back in like 20-some-odd, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was like maybe 2011. We, um, I was staying at a hotel actually and I ran into him in the weight room. He, that dude stays in shape. I'm sure he drinks his share of booze but he manages to stay in pretty damn good shape. And, uh, and even I used to stay in shape. I was in the gym. I wasn't like just standing there. And we left the gym at the same time he was leaving the gym. And I just kind of told him, like, hey, what's up, man? I love your stuff. Like, I think, mm, I want to say Machete had already come out. Or it had been, it definitely actually come out. I just don't know how long it had been. But we were just kind of going back and forth. And um, I mentioned to him that I was from the south side of San Antonio. And he mentioned that he had family out there. I believe he's the cousin of Robert Rodriguez. But they didn't find that out till later. Uh, I think, like, after he had started working with him. And so, we got to talking and it was kind of funny because um, everyone that was around in the hotel, like all the normies that were out there were like, oh, look, it's Machete, look at it, like it's cool. And, I, and he was so, like, I would be annoyed. I'd be like, yeah, that's the only reason you know me. Like, fuck off. Normally you would not even want to look in my eyes, you know. But he was so humble and just so friendly and just a really, really cool dude to talk to. Like, he gave us like five or ten minutes to talk and I never felt like he was rushing it or anything like that and he honestly kept asking me questions so I kept talking and after a while I was like okay he needs to go on with his life he's much more important and we went on but it was just really cool to be able to talk to him and uh, get to know him just for a little bit Um, anyway it immediately cemented the fact that Danny Trejo may be one of the most (laughs) coolest dudes in Hollywood and I don't see anyone replacing him anytime soon. So, now play that cheap-ass theme song, why don't ya? It's the Mustachio Podcastio We're ready for the show We'll watch the movies, we'll make the ghosts And then we'll all go home Now the legendary hairy upper lips, It's the Mustachio Podcastio all right so i'm just gonna have me a little sip of whiskey before we uh keep talking well i say we am i maybe i'm sick maybe i think it's me and someone else in my head i say we it's just me i forgot to mention today's a solo cholo episode uh (laughs) so uh today we are covering badass yeah badass You know, Danny Trejo's been in a lot of movies. He's been in the background of a whole bunch of movies. He's had, like, one-line, two-line type parts as well. In fact, he was in Death Wish 4, which was the first episode of Mustachioed Podcastio. And I think that was his first, like, speaking role. And I think in an interview, he had mentioned how it was funny that his first speaking role was actually... He wasn't even playing a Latino. He was playing uh, an Italian guy. I think the last name was, like, Sereno or something like that. And... um. Anyway, um, I ended up deciding on "Badass" just because my older brother recommended it. First of all, and you know, when your older brother recommends a movie, you kind you got to hold true to it. I also failed to mention that the reason I had kind of this, I didn't want to do um, what the hell was the name of that movie? <laughs> I've only done four episodes. I don't remember any of them. Um, oh, there will be blood. So I didn't actually want to do that movie. I felt I love that movie. And I just felt it didn't really serve to this podcast very well. You know, it's it's it has its moments that are like something great to talk about, but it's just very long scenes. And I was like, oof, this is going to be a tough one to have fun with. You don't necessarily feel great after that movie. And it's also very, it feels very real. Like, I feel like that's that's definitely a a window of a real situation in real life back then. But my sister recommended that, my sister Anna. She's my um, younger, older sister. I don't know how to say that. Yeah. Youngest older sister, that's exactly what I said earlier. So, I don't know anyway. So, she recommended There Will Be Blood, and I decided I would do go ahead and do it, but I just wouldn't honor uh, <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> oh, so salty. And my brother recommended this movie, and I thought I, I was kind of on the fence, I'd never seen it, and I it seemed like something kind of cool. I kind of seemed like a I think I even mentioned in Twitter, like, keep your mad dog, keep your punisher, we got badass on the case. <laughs> and I think that that's the way the movie seemed like. It was like a superhero movie, but just like a regular guy, doesn't have any powers, he's just out there to make a change. And that was really awesome. I'd never read about it, i never read any synopsis about it. So I was really coming at it totally, you know, fresh slate, clean slate. My brother told me it was kind of like a Chicano death wish, and... I thought that sounded pretty great, so I was like, let's go ahead and do this. Screw it. Let's sign let's find out what happens. So anyway, let's go ahead and get this going. Let's just let's just get into that movie breakdown. I know you can't wait to hear me make some kind of stupid breakdown kind of shit. I'm not very good at it and I don't care. So here it comes, the movie breakdown. Dun 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 Movie breakdown. You know, you gotta love the fact that this movie just gets going. We get a lot of shots of the, of L.A., a lot of the areas I drive through on the daily. I live in Huntington Park, and which is in South L.A. Uh, and I did recognize some of the signs, and I'm very, I'm pretty new to L.A. Um, to the L.A. area, but there was already a bunch of stuff that he had showed, um, um, like the director that the director show, that I was like, oh, cool, cool. Like, that's awesome. Um, I know with Danny Tejo being from L.A., I'm sure that was a big selling point for him to take on this movie. I think he likes to represent his area and represent these communities that he grew up in. And so uh, that was a really cool way to start. I also kind of liked the little touch. It was very – it's very of that time. And I know it's not, it, the movie's not that old. I don't even know what year it came out, but I know it was like – you know 2000 probably like uh, you know what let me look it up now it's bothering me i need to find out what year this came out i'm sorry I do like i said i don't do any research i'm just here to be normal and i don't know let's see let's take a look at what year this came out the thing with the movie badass is like if you if you search for it, you have to put "movie after badass" because then you just get some random distraction. Uh, distraction, <laughs> you get a random definition of what badass is. So it came out in twenty twelve. Um, so uh, twenty twelve, like you, it doesn't feel like that long ago, but that was a long time ago. And you can see it in the beginning of the movie because it's like all the clips of people showing it on YouTube, and I mean, YouTube's still around and all, but it's just funny because I I don't think YouTube is that. Um, the video channel that people look for to see that stuff, probably like TikTok and stuff like that is where you'll see people like getting beat up or fights and crazy stuff like that. I know you can find it on YouTube too, but I just don't think that's what like young people are using for that kind of thing. Oh, God, I sound like such an old man. I hate myself. Anyway, so I really like the great intro song too. I'm not sure who performs it, but um, I will be sure to look that up because I like like the style. And even though the opening credits are kind of long... You know the shots are great. I just I just like seeing all that stuff. It's good stuff. So the movie starts and we see a lady getting to her seat, and they're on a on a uh, on a bus, public transit, and uh, which is kind of cool. Like um, you don't really think about like public transit when you think of LA. You think of other cities like New York, and it's kind of funny. And because this is a driving city, much like the city that I'm from, San Antonio, it's it's a driving city. But, you know, there is a bus system here, and they're definitely putting in their work to try to get more people to use the damn bus. And uh, so Danny Trejo's on the bus. He's he's chilling out on the back bench right in the center. He's looking more grandpa than usual in this one. They definitely tried to... I mean, because he's an older gentleman. I, 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 I'm not sure how old he was. He was probably like in his... Dear God. Maybe his early 60s in this movie. Um, I could be off, but he doesn't look it. Like, this guy looked 60 when he was... 40 or (laughs) 35 and so he hasn't really he's actually aged really well but in this one they really try to bring out that kind of grandpa look he has a big old beard and the reason he's he's being honored as a mustachioed legend is normally he has just the mustache he wore the beard for this movie but he's definitely a mustache man and I will also say there's a little tangent I understand that like in my photos um that I posted myself in 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 the logo I don't just have a mustache I get it I'm honoring the 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 men that do have these mustaches I've tried using you know just having a mustache Oh, the creepy fact factor uh, on me goes high like just skyrockets if I could sport one and not look creepy uh, I would definitely sport it Um, and the other thing that's holding me back and I have sported one before don't get me wrong I think it's something every man has to do you know me and my friend Tim were talking about that it's just something you got to do as a man you need a sport a mustache even if it's just for a little bit Um, my girlfriend right now she's not a fan of the stash you know <laughs> it's not that is not her thing she barely deals with like I mean she doesn't mind the beard but she also doesn't even like that getting too long and I'm not in I'm not I'm too old to be like trying to to rebel on facial hair like I'm a grown-ass man you know I, I'm about having as many happy days as i can compared to not happy days that's what life becomes it's about how happy are you today (laughs) how consistent can you make that happiness well this is daniel's counseling hour thank you for joining anyway um (laughs) but you know one day i will wake up in the morning and that that mustache will come back you know it's just it's going to be kind of a sneak attack you know she I don't want to mention it. It's just going to happen. I'll post it and we'll celebrate. Anyway, let's move on. So the movie starts off. He's in the bus. He's in the center. These toods get... These two. These dudes. I literally, I mixed two dudes to just dudes. These two dudes get on the bus and one immediately just yells out, Yee-haw! And you always know that's a bad sign. For some reason in movies, when you say yee-haw, especially modern film, yee-haw always means it's coming from some asshole. I don't know why but even in texas you know you don't just go yelling yeehaw for no damn reason you don't get on the bus and yell yeehaw you're automatically a piece of shit if you do something like that you better be yelling yeehaw because you had a rodeo and you're doing something badass that's the way it works in texas it's just unbecoming of this gentleman to be doing that and uh (laughs) they're definitely they definitely have like that hollywood skinhead look you know like what hollywood thinks skinhead people look like and uh it's these two guys and uh tell you know. Then he tells us that he's he's going to let us know. Um, he being Danny Trejo, he's going to tell us um, about letting us know how things were before all this. So we kind of know that this is some kind of epicenter of a change in his whole life trajectory. And so we kind of do a little backtracking. It's kind of like in, um, kind of like in the Wolverine movie. I forget which one. I I don't remember. But the one where they go back and we're seeing wolverine find the civil war and stuff well danny therhill's not so old that he found the civil war <laughs> but but we go back to santa rosa california in 1957 he's a kid he's living on 60 acres of farmland which is crazy and uh he talks about going undefeated and and winning the football state championship in 1967 on a corner route which is not the easiest route to run i don't know how many you know People uh, that listen to the show are big into football, but that's a tough route. And um, it looks like he had a pretty damn good start of his life. You know, very humble and didn't have a whole bunch, but he had plenty of uh, support and, and, and plenty of love in his life. He also had a girlfriend they show um, during this part as well. And he's, and he's talking to his girlfriend and he's letting her know that he's enlisted in the army and he'll be back in no time. <laughs> How many, how many people that enlist say that, right? Like, you just don't know, I mean, once you sign that paper. So he ends up in um, what looks like in in a v- a Vietnam province in 1967. And there's that song that always goes with any Vietnam stuff. It's kind of like folky Americana music. I don't know. Like they, they played it a lot like in Forrest Gump and stuff. I don't know why that with Vietnam, they always have to play that kind of music, streaming guitars and sad lyrics. (laughs) So, well, actually, I do know why, because Vietnam was a very sad war. And so he spent um, seven years there in that war with one of those in a POW camp. And uh, that's when we get that line where they're electrocuting him Rambo style. And he's like, is that all you got, pendejos? Which was fun. I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm badass enough to say that after being electrocuted. Um, I'd probably be more like Marv from Home Alone 2 <laughs> while getting electrocuted. <laughs> anyway, hopefully that didn't hurt your ears. Um, so anyway, he ends up getting shot. Um, he gets out of that PLW camp and he ends up getting shot in battle so he, he goes, he heads home and he earns a purple heart. And uh, basically, that was the only thing keeping him from, you know, uh, staying even longer. He probably would have stayed even longer. And uh, he was looking forward to seeing his girlfriend again, Lindsay. But it turns out his girlfriend moved on, you know. That's what happens when, you know, you happen to have uh She was very pretty. Like, she looked like she was probably popular in high school. I mean, you know, it, it happens, man. And so he uh, he comes back and he noticed he knocks on her door and boom, two kids pop out of nowhere. You know, because, yeah, because there's that line where he's like, she was the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. And like, yeah, dude, that's going to happen, man. You know, she was the most be- beautiful girl you've ever seen. So she's probably the most beautiful girl to other guys. They're going to swoop on in. Like someone like me that would have dodged the draft. That would be like, hey, what's up, girl? I heard your guy was in the war, man. That's tough. You want a you milkshake? Anyway, so. <laughs> so he decides um, he wants to join the police force now and he looks so different too like in the very beginning when he was in high school he's got this fresh face and he comes back and he just he has this classic 70s style face and like he has a big old mustache with the long hair long straight hair coming down it's it's just that oh man that look you gotta love it and so he decides he wants to join the police force and that was another thing about this movie i didn't expect so much police stuff um, you know, this isn't a political show. Uh, you know, I kind of want this to be a little fun bubble uh, to enjoy and, and have fun in for a bit and then we get back to the real issues that we need to handle in this freaking uh, country. But I, it almost feels like, I was kind of like, did the LAPD like, put money into this film? Because <laughs> uh, they're surprisingly um, friendly to the police force in this movie. But it was 2012, Um and obviously, a lot of that stuff was going on, but I don't know. It, it, it was, I didn't expect that. Like I said, I'd never seen this movie. I didn't expect that. Um, like, there's a cop in this movie that's like his friend. And I, I just kept waiting for this dude to be crooked or do some messed up shit to him. Or maybe he was like working for the bad guys. I, I just was waiting for that. And it never happened. And I don't know <laughs> if that's just the way I think about it when I think of that type of situation. And he also, the actor kind of looks like a, you know, douche. So he just kind of felt like he was going to do some kind of shady shit like that. But anyway, we're into the beginning of this movie. (laughs) And uh, so he's he's wanting to try to join the police force, but it doesn't work out. They say no. And I don't remember why. It's just that he's reading a letter and it says no. And it, it, it blows my mind, like, you know, especially... God damn it. What am I trying to think of? Um, like, people are well aware about the issues that happened um, with, with veterans after the Vietnam War. And it still happens to this day. But a lot of times they're just simply treated differently. They, it's like they m- missed a whole bunch of their life here. So they don't have a lot of that education that, not the, the education that some of these businesses are looking for. But they have some real-world experiences that they can totally that totally trans, transfer really well to a work environment. But for some reason, it's always been sort of a stigma for a lot of businesses. And it was pretty bad with the Vietnam War. And uh, so they weren't necessarily celebrated when they would come back home. And that was a big issue for this character here in this movie, for Danny Trejo's character, young Danny Trejo. He's trying to get a job, and it's just not happening. They show him getting different job interviews and they're like well we're looking for someone more experienced and blah 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 and he's just trying so hard to like just try to be humble and try to get the job and it's just not happening so he's still young he looks like he's maybe like in his mid-20s or something and he decides to open up a hot dog stand at that age because he's like hey man if, if it's not going to work out with me joining a company I'm just going to start my own thing unfortunately then from that moment on. It, they show him behind his hot dog stand and then it transitions right over to Danny Trejo, and you see that transition of like, whoa, it's been like 50 freaking years now. <laughs> it's like a whole transition. Like, holy shit. Like, was he directly in the sun the whole time? So while he was, um, uh, he, he sort of says while he was trying to create that opportunity for himself, life just basically slipped away from him and that's rough, you know. Uh, I think sometimes you just get into the into the cycle of life and a lot I think a lot of people that own businesses you know they're like they have some hamburger shop for like 50 fucking years and age you just your life goes by because it's a whole thing it's a whole routine and you just get stuck in that rut and this part actually gave me the feels a little bit he they cut they cut to him putting on his uniform and I think I think he's putting on his uniform because this is the last time. That was the last time he felt proud, like of himself, and he felt good about himself. And he just starts crying while wearing the jacket. And uh, watching a trejo cry, oof, man, it's kind of like watching my dad cry. I've maybe only seen my dad cry twice, and uh, both times are like, oh, oof, <laughs> it hurts. So the LA skinheads are jumping on the bus and they tell this old man to move because they, they want to sit together. I'm like, what is this, fifth grade? Like, you can't sit a, you know, across from each other or on different seats and yell at each other from across the bus. Like, that's probably even more obnoxious for everyone if that's your goal. You know, just sit apart and just yell at each other from across the bus. But no, instead they want to sit together. I'm like, okay, whatever. And... You can, uh, and also there's, like, space around Trejo in the back. Like, sit on the bench. Anyway, that's where I always went. I used the bus a lot going to school, and I always sat on the bench. Like, it just, and if not, I just stood up. But, uh, obviously that's not what these guys are, are wanting to do. So it feels like they just randomly target this guy because there's other opportunities for them to sit in other places, and they just seem to be wanting to push this guy out because I guess they think he might be scared. But instead he, he, instead he gives, uh, one of the loud skinhead dudes a wapata in the face, like just freaking smacks him straight in the face. And they show people getting video with their phones as well, which is like something that's so common knowledge now, but I think it was still pretty fresh then too. Because, you know, that was around when phones weren't looking necessarily like freaking potato cameras, you know. (laughs) The phones are getting better at that point. And so he's about to punch this old man in the face after he smacks him, uh, the skinhead guy. And then all of a sudden uh trejo just grabs this dude's wrist like in mid swing and tells him to sit in the back and to leave this guy alone and the guy the the guy decides he wants to fuck with trejo which is a bad idea instead of just sitting in the back of the bench he would have been fine so they decide to attack trejo and he just unloads a 32 gallon tequila bottle of whoop ass on him it's very comic book style and i dig it i just like it's a i like the Actually, I like a lot of the fight choreography, even the stuff between like some of the like where Trejo's fighting another old gentleman (laughs) Like watching this. This podcast is becoming watching just elderly gentlemen fighting. (laughs) But at least Danny Trejo's bringing a little spice to the show, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, so um, it was a good time. I liked it. And he also has a T-shirt that says I am the motherfucker, which is the best. I didn't even know. I loved that. That needs to be something. I need to get something like that. I'm sure there's tons of t-shirts out there. So basically, this um, video that they took in the bus goes super viral. All the white middle class business people around the world are reacting to it. <laughs> oh, that's, at least that's the way it looks in the movie. They show a bunch of older adults getting hype about it as well. They're like, hey, look at us. You know, We're standing up for ourselves out there. People notice him in the streets as well. He becomes like, you know, he's one of those guys. You know, when you see Danny Trejo, you know it's him. You know, not a lot of people look like Danny Trejo. And uh, he's one of a kind. And so uh, cops are giving him ride-alongs now. And I guess because maybe he was always wanting to be a police officer. And I, you know, probably talked about it while he was on his hot dog stand. So I think a lot of cops knew about him. I'm guessing cops eat hot dogs. Um, And we know other things that they they seem to like those type of foods. Hot dogs, donuts, all like that. So he's getting free, um, he's even getting free oranges it looks like in the movie. Like people are giving him free fruit, like pretty dope. He's even on an LA morning show and his mom is on the show with him as well. Which I was like, holy shit, like his mom's alive. I guess he's not playing his age. Maybe he's supposed to be in his 50s or something like that. Or 40s. and um, Or maybe his mom had him really young, you know, you never know. So uh, now we're three months later after they're in that show and his mom was like telling him how proud of you know him she was. And we open with a mariachi song. And when you open up a scene with a mariachi song, it's, it's one of two things. It's either going to be a, a celebration like party, birthday party, Mother's Day, or it's a damn funeral. <laughs> and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but yeah mariachis play at funerals as well mariachi is like some of the saddest freaking music like it's good i like mariachi i've even played it myself on trumpet um with my brother and it, it's a good time but it, if you think your emo music is sad man mariachi music there's a reason why there is a uh, gritos in that kind of music it's like a literally sad boy crying <laughs> and uh that was a horrible grito but you know i don't want to blow anyone's ears out i got some power so we're at his mom's funeral turns out she she passed away and she seemed to live a great life so it's you know it's sad uh because he was probably very close to her but he's got a friend there you know giving him some comfort and, and everything and it's pretty awesome the priest at the funeral is no other than that uh, um uh richard um riel i think that's how you say his last name i might be super off on that but basically he's the guy that invents that game (laughs) jumping to conclusions or something like that in in office space i love this guy he also has a dope walrus mustache on that mofo um but i love that guy he's so consistent man he's he's done some other things too but um i just always remember him in office space he's so good uh so um trejo has that friend tell him everything's gonna be all right and um In her will, she leaves Trejo her house, jewelry, and a bunch of other stuff. And that cop friend that I had mentioned earlier, um, and you can tell he's like a cool cop because he has his uh, few buttons open on the top of his shirt, you know. (laughs) And um, he says something about uh, that he saw a t-shirt that's selling that has um, Trejo's face on it and it says badass on it. And uh, so now we get into the house, his his mom's house. He's getting ready to unpack and move into the house. This is kind of funny. They run into some nice VHS tapes of Thrillhill's porn collection. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, his friend's like, well, his friend kind of pockets one of them. He's like, Hey, you'll like that one, man. And his friend kind of pockets, he's like, well, I guess I'll check it out. Old school, man. And so, uh, they run into his mom's liquor collection as well. And they bust that open and they start talking war stories. They start getting all tequila out, And I think they got some of the little negros on there too, uh, which is a really good beer. It's just classic. So this is when I noticed that Therese actually sporting a leather fanny pack in this movie. I don't even know why I didn't notice it earlier. Like it's even on the poster and I just never noticed he had this freaking fanny pack. And it's the, the coolest and most legit fanny pack a fanny pack will ever be. I mean if Danny Danny Therehill's like the pinnacle of that, it's only going down now. You know? So 2012 was the, the, the peak of the fanny pack. <laughs> The second peak, because it was like huge in the 90s, I think. I think even maybe I had one as a kid. And I think a lot of kids had them. If you were a 90s kid, you probably had one or your sister had one. They were around, uh, along with like those bracelets that snapped and some other stuff. You know, got to love the 90s. Koosh Ball, maybe. Gigapet. Pet. <laughs> Pet Rock? No, Pet Rock was probably before that. Anyway, enough about all of that. Let's get back to this movie. So his his friend here, uh, his name is Klondike Washington, which is the dopest name in a movie I've heard in a while. And Thrill talks about his life just being up and down lately and that things are getting better. So his homie gives him a flash drive and tells him to put it in his uh, mom's safety deposit box for some reason. It's really weird. It's like super vague. Like you're like, what? (laughs) How many times? like have you ever gone up to a friend and like hey man um you mind putting this usb drive in your in your safety deposit box (laughs) like i'd be like no what is on here man i want to know what's on this freaking flash drive so um so so Daryl kind of gives him some shit for knowing about technology and stuff. And he tells him that he will uh, teach him. His friend uh, Klondike tells him he'll teach him how to use technology while he's living there at, at the new pad. And uh, Klondike says he wants to go get some cigarettes. And um, we kind of notice a car tailing him uh, when he takes off. So that you're kind of like, uh-oh. Here comes that death-wish part my brother was talking about. So um, these these dudes look up to no good anyway. And... Uh, He's walking out of the of the little mart, a little quickie mart, and uh, these two guys pop out of the car, and you're like, they're like, you know what, Gramps? you know what we want, Gramps? give it up. That's what he tells them. and it's pretty obvious they're looking for that drive, and uh, they bust out a gun on Klondike, and it's pretty awesome. I I like that they did this because it's like he went he went, you know, he went out like a champ because he fights them, and he whoops both their asses pretty easily. Um... But unfortunately, uh, the gun was still really close to one of the guys, or he still had one on him, and uh, he gets contact like, right in the chest, which is like automatic boof. You just kind of knew he wasn't going to live, um, survive that one. Um, they tried to search him, or trying to get a chance to search him, but the the for, I guess the cops were around, and or they heard the gunfire. I don't know how in LA you can tell, but, like I well, I mean you can, you can if you if you're. Um, have any experience with with firearms like you know the difference between when you hear a a a gun and when you hear fireworks and i guess you know people know the difference because man in l.a um they have like a lot of restrictions in in san antonio at least uh from you know my experience when it comes to fireworks like you don't hear them that often except for those very specific holidays but in l.a like if this is some type of celebration or something going on like man fireworks all day my poor dog is like it goes insane but he's actually, I think, getting used to it. It's happening so much that he's like, oh, I don't even have time to have anxiety about that right now. It, <laughs> so, um, uh, so, anyway, so the guys get out of there uh, before the cops come, and uh, Trejo wakes up to the phone ringing, and it looks like they needed him to identify his uh, to identify his friend, which sucks, man. And uh, they they leave him with what uh, Klondike had on him at the time. And the dude at the corners, I think I think he's a detective um, at the moment. I wasn't sure. I was like, is this guy at the work at the corner or is he a detective? But he was a detective. And um, Thorehill asked him to reassure that, hey, are y'all going to find these guys that killed my friend? Like, you know, he just got killed cold-blooded. And the detective gives him, like, obviously like a... Um, uh, just like an automatic statement (laughs) you know of like oh yeah yeah well no we're gonna work our hardest to find him you know like but you can tell like he's probably said that to so many people and it's not happened now Threjo is grabbing some booze obviously to mourn his friend and he's going to the gas station and he's new to this area so nobody really knows him I mean well I guess they kind of knew about him because I mean his mom lived there but you don't necessarily go to the, the store right there where you go visit your parents and um so he's a bit short and he asked the cashier um if he could spot him just a couple bucks and he'll pay him back later all of a sudden these dudes just roll up and rob the place i honestly feel like i would be great at this sort of acting gig like just coming in and being loud and shit and just like i just feel like i'd be good at that I, I make a decent angry face. I just think it would be fun. Anyway, uh, so uh, Trejo tells them to leave. And uh, the man, um, the the main dude, I mean, points his gun at Trejo's face. You know, because that normally works. I feel like if you're one of those guys that um, are people that, that robs liquor stores and shit like that, usually just pointing the gun at someone does the trick. Uh, I think like probably nine out of ten times, I feel. But that does not do anything to Trejo <laughs> he's just like alright you want to play like that so Trejo whoops all their asses he's um, working his way home um, he I, he whoops all their asses and then he's working his way home and you see that he has the bottle of tequila so I guess the owner was like yeah yeah, just take it so <laughs> so if you ever want a free bottle of tequila fight some crime and uh, he runs into Klondike's sister and she's uh, getting all the stuff um, I guess that her brother had there at the house and she talks about how her brother died just a few blocks from from the house that he's living at now from his mom's house. And um, the sister lets him know that the cops won't solve anything. You know, like I think at this point, the Drejo is thinking, you know, I, I think he has a hope or faith in the police and he really felt like they might figure out who killed him, but the sister is very well aware that that's not going to happen and you can't just feel like these guys are going to solve anything. And that you got to get this shit done yourself, you know. So it's kind of a, signa, a signifier of what's going to happen throughout the, you know, as the movie goes on. And then we get into like the uh, the neighbor part of the movie where we start developing that relationship. Because I, and even I thought about that. I'm like, he's got to, I wonder if they're going to work in the neighbors because he's like new to this house. And so Daryl's on the front porch uh, drinking his tequila. Classic. You got to love that. I don't have, really have a front porch, but I would totally do that and uh especially in LA it's the weather's nice and especially like a night ah, perfect smoking you know doing a little smoking drinking some bourbon anyway so (laughs) so um there's a, a a black kid next door and uh he's like I don't know he's at that awesome age like I think it's like 11 or 12 like this is a dope ass age and um he asked why Mexicans are always drinking tequila and he goes, is that the official drink of the Cholo? (laughs) I thought that was so funny. He delivered it so well too. And to be honest, the official drink of the Cholo is just whatever booze they can get for free or whatever is cheap and will get you messed up. (laughs) That is the drink of the Cholo. There's no specific one. Um, Tequila is nice to have around though. And so, uh, Theriot mentions some, he throws some stereotypical stuff about uh, black people back to him and they kind of just have that little back and forth. And, um, and then uh, after he says that, the kid's like, well, you don't have to get all racist about it and shit. (laughs) So it's a real, some real fun stuff going on there, a little back and forth. And uh, he noticed, and this is like a thing throughout a pattern throughout the movie where people at first can, like talk to him and they're like wait a minute you're that guy from the video (laughs) i wouldn't know right away i'd be like hey you're that guy from the video i saw just kick those skinheads asses and uh but the kid notices he's like hey you're that badass geezer (laughs) and uh at that moment his dad comes out and he just has this like super angry you know dickhead face (laughs) and uh tells the kid to get inside and he sort of just dogs out Trejo and um, goes inside the house. And uh, Trejo tells himself, really love those neighbors. <laughs> as he takes another sip of tequila. It was good stuff. And um, we'll see more of that kid um, as the movie goes on. He's, he's, he's good. I'm not sure if he's been anything else, but he's, he's good in this movie. So anyway, that D-bag cop comes back. Um, the one that I kept thinking was going to be crooked eventually. And he, he wants to take him on a ride-along and uh this, this is kind of where you realize like i just feel like this cop is pandering to trejo like it's like hey we're going to ride along you know uh you know like i don't know there's something about it that rubs me the wrong way i didn't like those scenes at all and uh the cop tells trejo to chill out because he's making this fighting thing a habit and uh because he i guess the cop heard about the the fight that went on at the at the the mart you know a little uh liquor shop that he went to or whatever liquor store and trejo says that violence seems to follow him and this cop says uh it's funny because the cop says i know charles bronson i get it (laughs) so there's definitely a Chicano death wish thing going on here Uh, even the writers knew that and um so the cop tells him that and trejo tells him that sounds like a crock of shit (laughs) which i liked And I guess the cop knows he's feeling really bad about his brother, his uh, well, like his brother, his friend dying, and um, and so he get, I, he doesn't say anything back, and he takes off. We see Trejo uh, watching the news, and he sees that some some white dude got capped and murdered, and his murder was solved. So he's like fuming, pissed off now. He's like, "What the hell? This guy's murder got solved. What about my friend?" So he goes and gives that detective on the case shit about it, and uh. Trejo says that if Klondike was a different shade of skin, his murder would have been solved. And the detective is like, are you calling me racist? Because if you haven't noticed, I'm Indian. <laughs> and um, and this is kind of cool because Trejo tells him he's like a wolf in sheep's clothing and that he's just part of the system. And uh, he tells Trejo not to let um, his emotions get the best of him and let the cops do their job. Another freaking junk statement that I'm sure he said plenty of times. Then the the detective excuses himself super professional-like, like like very official. He's like, if you excuse me, I have a job to do. Like, how how many... It's not... If you ever find yourself saying that to somebody at your job, look in the mirror because you're dick face. And... (laughs) Like, who says that? That's always in the movies for some reason. I don't get that. So, uh, was going to leave, but he decides to check on where that detective went. He's just kind of walking around, scoping the place out. And that's when he sees this dude is shooting Nerf hoops at work. Like, oh yeah, he really had a job to do. Now, don't get me wrong. Shooting um, Nerf hoops, like, you know, doing a little Nerf basketball at work is completely awesome. I used to do that at one of my jobs during lunch breaks or dead times. And it is such a great, fun way to kind of pass the time. But this dude's a detective. (laughs) When you decide to be a detective, you sacrifice nerf hoops. Do that shit at home on a day off. You know, don't be doing that at work. What is wrong with you? And uh, and so when he sees that, you see Threjo make maybe the angriest face. He, he just makes a classic angry ass face. It's it's awesome. I honestly thought he was gonna bust in there and whoop everyone's ass, but he just walks away. This is when Threjo takes the advice of Klondike's sister. And he puts on his baby blue shirt, his blue hat, and his cargo khaki shorts, and white Nikes on, and he gets ready to solve some fucking crimes. So, well, one specific one, obviously. (laughs) During this, we see him um, grab that USB drive, because I think he knows there's some kind of connection, and he puts that under his pillow, I think, or under his bed, something like that, maybe under the mattress, Um, the old school bank. For uh, <laughs> for all, you know, some of your grandparents maybe or some of your uncles. <laughs> That's the bank is under the freaking mattress. So Theriot finds the, the gun shell. He goes back to the crime scene and he finds the gun shell in this like drainage pipe in the middle of the alleyway. He goes looking in the grass along the edge um, of the brick wall that was right there. And he actually ends up finding a necklace that has a little locket and has a, a woman's face in it. So one of these like super hardcore dudes was wearing a damn locket. I am <laughs> Is that a thing? Do guys wear lockets? I just didn't think that was a thing. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not cool. I mean, If you want to wear a locket, wear a locket. But, you know, I'm no thugologist. I just don't think that it's that hardcore to be wearing one. But whatever. You know, you do you. So uh, Trejo takes that bullet shell and the necklace to a Pawn Stars, dudes. <laughs> and he takes it to a pawn shop. And uh, you know, there is thousands of freaking pawn shops in town. So he went to one that I guess he's he's cool with the owner. And uh, at this moment, at this like a couple of lines in, when he gets into this pawn shop and he starts talking to this guy, I am like, I freaking recognize this guy. Like, why do I recognize this guy? His 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 sort of his draw and how he spoke and his look. And so then I quick do a quick search, pawn shop owner from *Pope Fiction*, and boom. His name's Dwayne Whitaker from Lubbock, Texas, baby. And this dude is the guy from that Pulp Fiction scene. And you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was like, I was kind of proud of myself. I'm like, wow, I actually recognize this Vato. So yeah, he's the Pulp Fiction guy. I thought that was so cool, like, um, that they would bring him back for that part. I thought it was cool of him to come back and do that. And uh, you even see behind him that, of course, there's some samurai sam- samurai swords behind him. <laughs> So they definitely paid homage to his part, to the part that he played in Pulp Fiction. So anyway, don't go to the basement, Danny Trejo. Don't go to the basement. So, um, or maybe go to the basement and save somebody. I don't know. One of the two. So, um, the pawn shop, uh, owner, uh, tells him the type of gun that was used, um, by looking at the bullet. Apparently it's a government issue armed forces type gun. And the pawn shop owner offers 50 bucks for that necklace. And, um, he notices that the girl in there he thinks goes to the church that he goes to. And so Trejo asks him if he thinks it's hers, but the pawn shop owner says, nah, it's more than likely her husband. So he knows who her husband is. And, um, the pawn shop owner mentions that he's a black gentleman that, and that he's handsome. <laughs> so he's definitely, he might be playing the same pawn shop. Owner. <laughs> and so the, from Pulp Fiction. So the pawn shop guy tells him, um, that they live just down the way. And he just tells Trejo to be careful and blah blah blah. Uh, so anyway, now we see uh, Trejo and now heading out to where this dude lives. And he had uh, the pawn shop guy told him to look out for a yellow pickup truck. So you see that on the lawn there. And he gets to his house and he sees the woman that was in the locket and um, beautiful Latina woman. I'm not. Sh- I forget what her her name is, but um, she comes in like fire. <laughs> she is fired up. Like, you don't want to see that in the eyes of any woman. And uh, so he's, like, knocking and asking questions about this dude because he doesn't even know his name or nothing. And uh, she basically, he, she uh, Trejo tells her, like, they're, they're friends, and he's been looking for him that he had left something. I guess, he, I think he mentioned the locket. And she's like, next time you see him, tell him, you know, he's got three kids and a wife wondering when he's coming home. And she also mentions that she saw Terrence a while ago and that um, her friends have been telling her that he's just normally playing basketball at some courts in some neighborhood in Olay. And um, she spells a real rough cuss word to describe him. I forget what it was. (laughs) Probably something really bad. And, uh, And so Trejo has this guy's name now. And he knows where this guy normally hangs out and he never had to say much. He just asked some general questions and she was able to kind of give him just enough to kind of get a lead. So he heads to the courts um, via public transportation. <laughs> I was just going to keep saying public transportation. Um, this this uh, podcast is actually brought to you by public transportation. So he asked the dudes where, um, he goes to the basketball courts and he asked the dudes where he could find Terrence. And you know, all y'all, you know, from your hoods y'all know it's never good when some dude comes up looking for one of your friends <laughs> it's just never a good sign you don't really want to give up your friend and um he uh so he's asking where terrence is at and i um he, and so, someone says something to him or something like that like they start talking shit to him stepping up to him like it looks like they're gonna just whoop his ass because there's like five or six guys and um Trejo says something like, I messed up my hearing at a Santana concert in 74. What did you say? <laughs> and then he just starts working his way through a few of these cats, like just whooping their ass. And um, uh, and as soon as he does that, they all kind of like back up. They're like, whoa, 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 like relax, relax. He chills out at this group of uh, some dude's apartment, at the Rondaldos apartment on 85th is what they say. And, uh, of course, uh, Trejo grabs the basketball, shoots an inside jumper, and (laughs) it's nothing but net, baby. (laughs) Uh, Trejo's got some hops. So he heads to the apartments, and some dude randomly attacks him out of nowhere. And he's dressed in a... He's like... He he looks like a priest. And it turns out he's in a costume that he's doing a play at the Jewish Community Center. And uh, the roommate, Trejo threatens this guy. He's like very um squirrely kind of guy <laughs> and so he scares him up pretty quick the guy gives up some more information um uh this is like perry this is like perry mason you just watching their self crimes here i like it though because it's not all brute strength in this first part of the movie um he's really trying to figure out what happened and yeah he uses his classic you know you know hole might <laughs> His fighting skills but you also kind of you see him like solving shit you know like that's one thing they always say about Batman is like they don't show a lot of the detective aspect of Batman and that's really the part that makes him really cool um, oh god so nerdy but yeah you know like that's what makes Batman dope and uh, now we get to see Thoreau be a detective and uh, the roommate tells him where to find him from there um, I'm not sure where he said but you know he goes and cut to Ron Perlman who's playing the mayor of LA in this movie <laughs> They're like, yes, we vote for Hellboy. (laughs) He's just so Ron Perlman. It's weird seeing him as a mayor. But um, he's out there with that actor that you feel like you've seen in a bunch of stuff, but you're not sure what. Um, His name is Charles Dutton. And uh, he's a great actor. I just know that the stuff I've seen him, and he's he's always a really good, good character actor. He plays the name of Panther. Um, oh, he goes by the name of Panther in this movie for some reason. And uh, he looks like um, he's got some kind of partnership with this crooked mayor um, that Ron Perlman's playing. Um, and the mayor mentions that uh, he's asking where those drives are at that Klondike had with him. And we, oh, and the mayor's all pissed because he's like how do you take a guy out before you get the drive back first (laughs) which honestly makes a lot of sense (laughs) like maybe make sure you have the drive in your hands before you take the guy out the the two dudes that he sent terrence and um whoever this other guy will meet eventually they didn't quite uh, plan that out very well but pearlman mentions that uh this guy uh named badass is getting in the way and uh Uh, Well, actually, no, Panther mentions that. And then Mayor Perlman is like, I don't give a shit what they call him. Like, take this dude out. He's like, there's hundreds of bottom drain feeders that would like this job. So he tells Panther to clear all this trash up. And uh, it's like, wow, this mayor's a real dick. So um, he tells him enough with the long text messages and the happy faces as well. (laughs) And then the mayor walks away. Oh, man. Yeah, that's true. Like, the first time my dad sent me an emoji, I was like, what the? What is happening in this? Like, I was I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, it's still kind of fun, though. It doesn't bother me. I think it's kind of fun. So, uh, Trejo helps his, uh, this old lady uh, that you also recognize from a bunch of stuff, but you aren't sure what type of movies. And all of a sudden, these skinheads, apparently the skinheads don't live. I guess that's why they were on the same bus. The skinheads don't live very far away uh, from Trejo. And uh, they do a damn drive-by on him uh, with, like, some hardcore guns. Uh, and he saves the old lady from getting shot and, luckily, taking uh, having Therjol on top of her outweighed the trauma of being shot. So that's good. Because <laughs> Therjol's on top of her and she's like, Oh, my! <laughs> I would have been freaking the hell out. I just got shot at. So then Therjol starts talking to the neighbor kid again. And uh, there's obviously some domestic violence popping off in the house. And... Um, he brings the mom in to help her because she got busted she has a busted lip after that fight um and the the dad just headed out like he just took off so um it's kind of uh interesting because then trejo has him in the house and he's kind of like you can tell he's never had to like be like a host he's like you want some hungry man dinners i got some hungry man dinners (laughs) and um then he ends up offering ice cream and the kid tries the ice cream and um, I think Three Hill says that the this ice cream is the bomb. <laughs> I miss. We should bring back the bomb. I just like, I like man, this is the bomb. Um, and the kid asked him if he's still living in the nineties or what. I'm like, how does a kid know that we said the night that in the nineties we said the bomb? He wasn't around. <laughs> he must have watched one of those This is the nineties or whatever the hell freaking <laughs> shows. So anyway, Three Hill rose into a bar asking for Renato. And all of a sudden, we have like, it kind of reminded me of uh, the Desperado, uh, which Trejo was in. Awesome. That was the first time I think I saw Trejo, like, from what I remember. Um, like, the first time i pretty sure I saw him was in Desperado. He was so awesome in that movie. It made me want to learn how to throw knives, and then I wasn't good at it, so I just stopped. And uh, he goes into this bar, and the bartender eventually tells him, um, uh, something I don't know, like they're kind of going back and forth and everyone's like, nah, you're not getting out of here alive. So they all start attacking him and he's just whooping everyone's ass again. You don't really see Daryl struggle too much. Like He's almost always kicking ass and uh, he's just like messing stuff up and the bartender tells him finally like, okay, he's upstairs, just stop fucking up my bar. <laughs> so he kicks down Ronaldo's door, throws, um, grabs Ronaldo who's with a bunch of chicks, probably doing cocaine or something it looked like. And he puts he puts him out through the window and he holds him outside and he's letting him uh he's like telling uh Ronaldo like, Yeah, I got a bad arm, man, like I might let you go. And so finally, uh Ronaldo tells him like where Terrence should be. And uh he throws uh Ronaldo back in the apartment. Threeho grabs him a big old bag of weed and just says, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, I forget what he says. He's like, just tell, tell Ronaldo I owe him or something. And he just grabs the the bag of weed and heads out. Again, we have this uh, D-Bag cop picking up Trejo. This guy's so stuck. We didn't need this guy. I don't even know why he's in this movie. But um, he, he tells Trejo to get into the car and like, you know, no excuses this time. Let's go on a ride along real quick. And uh, Trejo's bringing back some groceries. So I'm like, yeah, you know, at least he'll be able to get his groceries home faster. And so he gets into the into the car and the cop's asking Threhill what he's been up to because obviously the cop knows something. And the cop says he's been leaving a trail of blood across the city. It's a little, you know, a little dramatic. But um, the cop says you're not supposed to be uh, doing their job. You're supposed to stay, you know, stay the hell away. So Threhill tells him uh, he can't stand around and let a bunch of assholes get away with killing his friend. And uh, he, tells, he, he gets fired up and he tells the cop stop. Like just pull over and we get the hell out of here. And he leaves and he, he he leaves the cop car. But what really bothered me was he leaves his groceries in the back of the cop car. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you're not a millionaire, man. You got to remember to grab those groceries. I don't care how fired up you are. So uh, maybe the cop brought it to him later. I don't know. Why did that bother me so much? I have problems. And um, now we see Hill walking into his house and it's been ransacked. This is maybe the most... This was definitely like, kind of like what me and Bobby were talking about—a cocaine-driven scene. Maybe they needed a little extra runtime, and someone's like, "Fuck that! Fuck that! Fuck that!" He <laughs> he walks into his house. It's ransacked, right? And then this 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 Vato that looks like he he looks like Odd Job but big <laughs> and Chicano. <laughs> he just has this like giant. He gets, so Thoreau gets into his house and this giant Chicano British dude. <laughs> Maybe he's not Chicano. I don't know, but it sounds like he's making up a British accent to me. I didn't bother looking it up, but um, it's like me doing a British accent, which is horrible. I won't even do it just to, I'm not sure if there's anyone that listens to this podcast in the UK. I apologize if I ever do a British accent because it is absolutely miserable. It's horrible. Anyway so this uh chicano british dude <laughs> he's asking for that flash drive and uh uh he bear hugs the hell out of trejo like he just lifts him up and he's just like bear hugging him like getting ready to freaking break his spine but trejo starts fighting his ass and gives him some wapatas and he ends up throwing this dude outside the house they don't show how he does this and i have no idea how he did this this guy looked like he was like the tallest dude i've ever like he like six foot four six foot seven i don't know it's hard to tell because I'm not sure how I I know I met Threjo and I think eh, he's probably like five foot Ooh. five foot seven. So this guy looked huge. And um but Trejo manages to throw this guy outside the house. It's actually kind of a fun, like, zany ass scene. <laughs> so um I think then we see all the mayor's files in there. Thereho goes ahead and and uh he has the neighbor kid. That's right. He has the neighbor kid help him open up this flash drive because he had no idea how the hell they, how they you know get these files and they start looking through there and it looks like there's some plans and shit so in my mind i'm like i guess there's some plans that aren't great or like it shows that he's doing some really shady stuff with his plans and he doesn't want that to get out there so that's what i'm thinking why the mayor needs that flash drive so then now we see uh they go visit a massage place because he notices some name that was in there and this woman's name and that he saw in the files, So he visits her. Her name's Tatiana. And while he's getting the massage, he specifically asked for her. And so while he's getting the massage, he asks about Terrence. And apparently they were in a relationship. And, he- and she says they had broken up. And um, and then she was like, you know what? I'm just going to have someone else finish your massage. So I guess she's kind of getting suspicious. So now threshold decides to follow her. Um, I guess when she was done with her shift and he kind of sneaky sneaks his way to the house. <laughs> and um, it's funny. This is kind of like a, another outlandish scene. It's like, you know what it felt like? It felt like someone watched the movie, like some producer, somebody watched the movie and was like, yeah, we need to add some outlandish funny shit to this. And that's what it felt like, like some post stuff. Because uh, it doesn't really go with the flow of the rest of the movie. Um, uh, the way it was inserted some of it feels very abrupt i guess you could say and um but he's looking to break into this house and all of a sudden flashlight shines up on him like real like boom and it's it's that it's a little person from seinfeld uh this um kramer's friend who i love that guy's so hilarious um and And uh, he has like a freaking, I think he has a rifle or shotgun or something. I can't remember, but he's getting ready to just freaking shoot this dude, uh, shoot Trejo. But guess what? Of course, he recognizes him from the badass YouTube videos. (laughs) And so then uh, he automatically is like, oh yeah, you're you're badass. Like, you're awesome, dude. And... He tell and so Threlfall's like, oh yeah, yeah, cool, cool. And he's like, um, I think Threlfall says something like he's dating her, and I guess he was trying to sneak in to surprise her or something like that. And he sees Thrail trying to get through the side window. He's like, you know, she always leaves the back door open, which was also kind of like, uh, how do you know she does that? <laughs> Maybe he talks to her. Do I do I talk to my neighbors? I'm like, hey, just to let you know, I always leave the back door open. Uh, so that was some weird. That was a weird exchange. So he finds his way inside the house and he finds um uh uh let's see Oh he finds Terrence um with Tatiana and they're getting down. And he uh he breaks in and they start fighting. He sticks his dude um this dude's hand into the damn garbage disposal, which I've always wondered, like what happens if you stick your hand in there? You know, it sounds like there's some wild stuff going on inside that garbage disposal they they cover it with that little rubber stuff so you can't see and i'm i'm too germaphobic to put my hands in there and open it up to see (laughs) well these days i can get some gloves take apart my garbage disposal and then try to put it back together and then call somebody to fix it so anyway um (laughs) so so he sticks uh this dude's hand in the garbage disposal and holy crap we get some real gore here i love this just blood going everywhere he pulls out the hand and they're like fingers are gone and the dude says that it was his homie sebastian uh Thoreau asks who hired him and of course he doesn't want to say anything but, like that's a pretty tough question to answer so he puts his damn hand back into the disposal and now he's like down to like just he's just got like a, <laughs> a clubbed hand it's just oh man it's rough he might have a little bit of a pinky in there but the rest is just fucking chopped meat and uh, finally the dude tells him like yeah it was panther um we're working with panther he'll be at some loft tomorrow night or something you know You know, that's the part I would have trouble with. Like, while I'm threatening people and getting the information from them, I would be like, ah, shit, what did he say? I need to write all that stuff down and record the conversation or something. I just don't have the memory to remember while I'm putting someone's hand through a garbage disposal and blood's flowing everywhere. So it's funny, then Trejo's leaving and he lets Terrence know that, um, that he lets Terrence know that his wife told him to go fuck himself. (laughs) Then, uh, then he says, I hope you're a righty because he destroyed that left hand. So anyway... Now there's more domestic violence going on at the neighbor's house because Thoreau's going back home, and he uh, he drops in. Thoreau drops in to get some shit done. Um, he uh, gets in a little bit of a tussle with the dad uh, who's about to to beat up his wife, and Thrill beats him up and tells him, "You either straighten your shit up or get the hell out of here." And the the dude walks out, and uh, the the wife like thanks him for coming in and you know helping out and she said that he looks tired because he is tired like this dude's been working pretty hard the last few days trying to figure out who killed his buddy and so she she makes him dinner and it's funny because uh gets all cholo for dinner man he puts on this like baby blue suit for the date he's got the Thresh flores in the hair (laughs) he's got one of those colognes that look like a little car (laughs) have you seen those colognes i've only seen that with like I think maybe my grandfather had one with a little cologne, where it's like, it looks like a little car. Um, where do you find that? <laughs> I think you got, that shit got to get passed down. You know, that's, that stuff gets passed down. You put a little water in it, mix it up, you know, keep the scent going. So anyway, now he's at the dinner and her garden looks super nice. Um, and uh, Therrell mentions how his mom kept a beautiful bush. <laughs> actually that actually made me laugh and uh the neighbor says well hygiene is very important (laughs) he's all embarrassed you can tell like they hasn't been on a date in a while that's what they're trying to say here he's been kind of a loner lone wolf very few people in the in his life uh and she talks about how things um were and how things fell apart with her relationship um with her husband and uh then she starts talking about Trejo and how she thought he was this hulky man who went around town beating up people. And he says that she's making it seem like like he's some sort of nice guy or something, <laughs> because she realizes that he's actually a very sweet person with you know, uh, like with a big heart. And then right when they're about to kiss, her son walks in and just you know does what kids do, which is you know ruin fun moments. Obviously, I don't have any kids, so. <laughs> so he talks um, so now um, Trejo ends up seeing the cop again the cop friend of his and he gives the cop the flash drive and then he goes to the office space priest uh, to confess um, that he'll be doing some some rowdy stuff tonight which is the old like you see that in movies a lot um, well not a lot but it's something that you've seen before where they sit in and they start confessing stuff they're about to do because they know they're going to be like getting some revenge on some people so then that happens, and I think Office Space priest tells him, "Yeah, you know, do your thing, bro." And <laughs> that's probably not what he tells him. But <laughs> so then Trejo heads to that Bergamot loft. Um, that the that's what Terrence had said, um, where he'd be. Um, and uh, the the dude would no left him. So the two vatos walk up to him, which is Sebastian and this other guy that we haven't been introduced to, and they walk up to Trejo and they're, they look like they're about to take him out and then panther comes up and says he's been waiting for him all of a sudden panther comes in like he's kind of like um uh <laughs> it's very comic book style like he has like this like what's the name of the i don't know why i can't i'm blanking out but the spider-man bad guy big old big old ball guy i gotta look it up why can't i oh my god i'm so sorry so, yeah, he comes in like kingpin. He's just got this bravado about himself. And um, Panther tells him, I've been waiting for you. That's not how he talks. <laughs> that's how I would talk if I was a bravado bad guy. <laughs> um, he tells him, he looks like you've bitten off a little more than you can chew. And, and at that moment, that's when Panther asks him for the flash drive. And there's a quick scuffle and Panther dodges his punch and knocks him the hell out. And Thrill Ther- Ther- wakes up being tied up with uh, electrodes on him. So now he's getting tortured just like he did back in uh, when he was a POW in Vietnam. And apparently Panther has some major plans to fixing the city and he needs that drive. And he asks where it is and Thrill tells him it's in his ass. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sebastian mentions uh, Klondike. And so Therjol knows right there and then that that's the dude that actually took him out. And they grab Hill's wallet, and Panther notices where he lives, so he's gonna send some dudes out there and uh, and to mess stuff up. And he's figuring that he's probably not living alone right now, so he has that edge on him to fry him up, you know. Uh, and Hill's uh, uh is getting the the ropes loose. Um, slowly he's been trying to get the ropes loose on him. He's tied he's tied to like a chair, and. He ends up getting loose and he throws a lighter at this flammable barrel of oil that they showed like 50 times during the scene so you knew that was those barrels were going to be involved in something. <laughs> and, uh, he catches, um, he lights the barrel on fire, boom, like shit starts blowing up. He catches Panther and he starts whooping that ass and uh, Panther takes off um, once, um, once that explosion hits and uh, he just starts running and uh then also uh trejo's also running from that fire so we get two uh people running from an explosion classic action movie stuff right there so then panther panther decides to steal a damn greyhound bus which i didn't expect i was like what the i don't know if it was greyhound bus but it was like a greyhound type bus and the other dude um uh, the other Greyhound bus guy because Three on his trail no recognizes him from the badass videos he just lets him take the wheel go on and take my bus man <laughs> like, that is not realistic <laughs> but, hey I recognize you from that viral video would you like to steal my bus <laughs> so now um, we got a damn bus chase like this is the best like how elderly can it get let's, let's have a bus chase so we're uh, stealing buses they're going through um Through traffic and at a steady 35 miles per hour. (laughs) And uh, so much like the Avengers, even badass fights crime with a wave of destruction in his path. (laughs) There's definitely some some casualties as these two buses are just running into traffic and hitting cars and going through reds. So now um, we have, um, now it sets up this moment where uh, Panther turns the bus around. Knowing that he's gonna be facing um, uh, Threadhole when he comes in with his bus. And now we got a game of chicken. So they're going at each other at blazing speed of 38 miles per hour once again. But actually, they start speeding up and it shows uh, the speedometers like at 70, which is really, really freaking fast for a bus. And uh, Threadhole actually dodges the bus. Uh, he wrecks it, but um, Panther runs into a damn train, so he really wrecks it. He goes across the tracks and boom, somehow he survives this. I guess because the train hit in the middle, so he got, ju- he got, I mean, I doubt he was probably not wearing a seatbelt. Like, I feel like he would have died, but whatever. And he's like, I don't know, 60, <laughs> so um while trejo's uh trying to chase down panther because he knows panther's Mm -hmm. heading over to his house he runs into those skinheads and uh the skinheads are pissed you know he's like dude we're a complete joke and we got kicked out of the brotherhood um first of all obviously you know this is probably like a very diverse um neighborhood that Trejo lives in probably a lot of latinos what the fuck are these skinheads living in the neighborhood for (laughs) You feel like a skinhead would try to find some neighborhood, you know, like that they could feel, you know, they could be all nice and racist and not have a lot of um, pushback. But uh, maybe they're just very, they just like to really push it and and be challenged. And uh, So anyway, these guys have something coming to them. I honestly wish that he had whooped their asses sooner, but I guess they wanted to have him tagged to the end of the movie or toward the end. And uh, so he runs into them and he ends up whooping their asses again and, and Thrill's like messed up he's already been through a wreck he's been fought he's been electrocuted for God's sakes and he's still able to beat these dudes up and uh, uh, it's funny because it's a super intense moment Therjol knows he needs to get to his house but he still finds a way to make a joke after he beats them up because they were they were trying to record the footage of them messing up Therjol so they could post that and be like hey yeah we're tough and so Therjol says something I look forward to seeing the footage they took <laughs> and so he keeps like kind of limping his way home. Panther breaks into the house and uh, he asks his neighbor where the flash drive is, um, the the mom. Um, I forget her name but basically he's, now she's Trejo's like new girlfriend basically. And she obviously has no idea what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> she may be Trejo's girlfriend but she doesn't know everything. Uh, not quite yet so... Uh, he's chasing her around and he's like saying a bunch of crazy bad guy stuff and Drehil comes in and they start fighting he tackles him down watching two grown ass middle-aged men fighting through front yard and uh, all of a sudden his girlfriend jumps on his back and uh throws in, uh she he ends up throwing her on the ground which just pisses off Drehil even more but it was actually she saved Drehil in that moment because um this guy was getting ready uh Panther was getting ready to make that final blow cuz was down like he he was beating the shit out of him it almost made it seem like panther was like a boxer at some point because he was throwing some swings man so then uh Thrill starts punching panther um he just punches him the hell out just just haymaker after haymaker and boom he's done and i think uh Thrill says something like that was for klondike bitch <laughs> and um i wonder if his neighbors were like damn he really likes ice cream you know maybe his neighbors don't know because <laughs> there's like a whole crowd of neighbors around watching this fight not doing anything about it it's kind of like they're all they got dollars in the air <laughs> so uh they're never had a woman rescuing before is what he says something like that oh great and um she says she always has her man's back very nice and uh that's true though i feel like you know i know some women that could definitely have my back i like, wouldn't be knocking some people out so then Panther asks for someone to send an ambulance, but no one's even doing anything. He's like, send an ambulance. <laughs> she turns out that Thrill has made an honorary police officer. Yay. <laughs> at least we got one good guy out there. We got Trejo, man in the streets. So, you know, we we'll, we got one dope-ass cop in LA. Nice. So now Thrill's talking to the kid and asking him about his multiple girlfriends. They're at the dinner table eating. And they all start eating. Thrill says that he... uh he's finally found the best day of his life and um Martin says it'd be an even better day if he trimmed that damn beard (laughs) Martin was a little kid he threw in that one last joke it was nice and uh because they always show him like kind of trimming it but he just barely does anything to actually clean it up he's like a little chip chip and then that's the end (laughs) Uh, obviously we know that there's um some sequels to this movie um i'm not sure if i'll throw those in later on but um maybe um say there are some very memorable (laughs) characters in this movie that have left quite an impression on me and that's why this segment is called quick impressions quick impressions He's out of the Velvet Scorpion. He's there every morning. I swear he's going to be there tomorrow. You know, man, you make a terrible priest. Where's Ronaldo? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. all right. He hangs out at the Velvet Scorpion. He's, he's there every morning. I swear he's going to be there tomorrow. You know, man, you make a terrible priest. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, now it's time for me to rate this movie. Um, as you all know, I I rate my movies by my uh, f- favor of mustaches. Um, or by my favorite mustaches. Uh, to the mustaches I dislike the most. Fu Manchu being a uh, hell of a recommend. Hell yeah. Uh, walrus Mustache being pretty damn good. Um, horseshoe Mustache being eh, eh. And, uh, toothbrush, mu- tooth, <laughs> I can, I can never say toothbrush, toothbrush mustache, or as we all know as a Hitler mustache is a hell nah. All right. I've not thought about this yet. I think I would give this a walrus mustache. I think it's a good watch. I think it's worth watching. I think it's fun. I think the movie has a good time. It's definitely set and it's definitely like, um, a product of that environment of 2000, it's very 2012, 2011, like that time. Um, but I like how it's led by Trejo. I think he does a really great job uh, leading this movie. It's probably the most, um, his personality sh- personality shines, um, like his actual personality shines a lot in this movie. Normally he's playing characters that he's really, um, at this point in his life, not like. You know, like Machete, you know, he's playing cartoon version are like you know like super over the top type version of himself in those movies um which that that's what those movies are about you know that's what makes them really really fun but this is a little more like you know it's a little more down to earth and it's a little more real um at least in the aspect of you know when you know someone that's been through what he's been through and has all these skills you know that he still has and putting them to use to to avenge his friend's death, you know, like, I, I think it was, it was a, uh, it was a good little romp, you know, there's a couple of moments where I'm like, eh, you know, uh, we didn't really need that, or we didn't need that character, or we didn't need that moment, but, um, for the most part, I think it's a very wholesome, kind of fun film, and I like that they worked in some gore, it's got a little bit of everything in it, and I think um, you can tell that everyone's having a good time making the movie. And I've said this before. Um, I love it when I see that people are having a good time in a movie, even if it's not super, super great, or maybe it's not everyone's thing. Um, I just think it's it's just a good time to watch people having a good time, uh, for me personally. Um, so, yeah, I give this a solid walrus mustache. And I actually do look forward to, to watching the sequels and seeing what I know. Um, I think the second one's like badasses. <laughs> And, um you know I'm, I'm curious where that goes and I think there's a third one where they're like in the Bayou <laughs> so, <laughs> so I am looking forward to those movies um but yeah uh, definitely check it out if you if you ever have a, if you haven't happened to see if, if you haven't seen it before check it out and see it. I'm curious what y'all think um anyway quick uh, couple of plugs definitely check out my social media you, know, you can find me at at Podcastio on Instagram and at mpodcastio on Twitter. You can also find, um, uh, I just started a Facebook page. Um, I don't really like Facebook, but I started it anyway. Um, <laughs> I figured that'd be an easier way for y'all to reach out or comment or anything like that um feel free to send me any suggestions you might have um like i said in the past no guarantee i'm gonna take it but if i do i'll i'll let you know and i'll I'll, uh mention that you made that recommendation i'm looking to to have some guests coming up in july which should be plenty of fun i hope you enjoyed this cholo solo um uh, mustachio podcastio episode i had a good time talking about this movie and uh that's pretty much it bye